on a thousand planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. To the bat poles. May the force be with you. Who is that mask man? Avengers, assemble. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. We'll begin with some genre-related news before we get to today's discussion. The most recent casualty of the ongoing pandemic is the 2020 Small Press Expo. That's right, North America's premier independent comics festival has called it for this year. Originally scheduled for September 12th through 13th at the Bethesda North Marriott Hotel and Conference Center, SPX will be canceled due to the effects of the COVID-19 outbreak. The Ignatz Awards, the festival prize that, since 1977, has recognized outstanding achievement in comics and cartooning, will be live-streamed on Saturday night, September 12th, exact time to be determined. Check the SPX website for further details and a statement and action plan in support of the demonstrations against police brutality and in support of racial equity. DC Comics announced last week that it has cut ties with Diamond Comics distributors. The surprise announcement was made via email to retailers sent Friday morning, with the company telling customers that all orders for DC product will be fulfilled by Lunar Distribution and UCS Comics Distributors for periodical releases and Penguin Random House for graphic novels and collected editions. No word yet on what this means for Diamond, which is losing the second largest publisher in the North American market and responsible for approximately 30% of the market last year. The 2020 Eisner Award nominations were also announced last week. The Eisners have been held during the San Diego Comic-Con, which has been canceled due to concerns surrounding the coronavirus. This year's nominees in 31 categories reflect the wide range of material being published in the U.S. today in comics and graphic novel media, representing over 170 print and online titles from more than 60 publishers and produced by creators from all over the world. IDW and Image received the most nominations. Other publishers with multiple nominations include Fantagraphics, Dark Horse, First Second, and Drawn and Quarterly. The results of the voting will be announced in July. And actor Harley Sawyer, who played elongated man Ralph Dibney on the CW series The Flash, has been fired following revelations of a series of racist and misogynist tweets made between 2012 and 2014. Sawyer issued an apology on Instagram saying, in part, I am ashamed I was capable of these really horrible attempts to get attention at that time. These were words I threw out at the time with no thought or recognition of the harm my words could do. <laughs> yeah, the harm your words could do to your career. No word yet on what will happen to the elongated man character. Today we're talking about social justice in the genres and its impact on the broader society. And joining me today on this special coronavirus edition of Fantastic Forum, because we are, of course, still uh, sheltering in place. We are social distancing. We are being very careful. But joining me, uh, the creator of Ants, uh, the Ignorant Bliss podcaster, 
Glyph Award-nominated artist, Julian Lytle. Hey, what's going on? Yeah. Also, uh, we are fortunate enough to have uh, comic collector and uh, critic and comics historian, uh, Warren Bernard. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And uh, last but not least, uh, he is a wonderful graphic artist. He is an advocate for graphic artists. He is also on the board of SIGGRAPH. He is Roberto Ortiz. Welcome, Roberto. Glad to be here. Thank you. So, thank you. All right, so, uh, of course, uh, I, I've gathered this, and you all are hand-picked for this particular topic, hmm. uh, because I wanted to talk, given the social upheaval that we are seeing, uh, I wonder if maybe we haven't reached a watershed moment for the United States and for the world. And social justice has been on my mind a great deal. And so I thought we would talk a little bit about social justice in the various genres and some of the allegories that have been used, uh, how the platform has been used to inspire change, uh, maybe even some of the origins of it. So um, I guess the first thing that I would like to ask all of you, because, and, and bear, in my, bear with me because I'm making all of this up as we go. Uh, I don't really know how it all fits together exactly. And I suspect that a lot of people who are watching events unfold are uh, experiencing similar confusion. But why don't we start with some of our favorite whether they are in television or in movies or in comics or in literature, but uh, some of our, uh, our favorite uh, social justice allegories that we've seen. And um, I think, uh, Warren, because uh, you are such a brilliant historian and aware of so much of what has come before, let's start with you. Well, I'll go ahead and... Um date myself back to the original Star Trek, okay? And there was an episode on there with Frank Gorshin where you had two men with their faces were half white and half black. And they came on the Enterprise and they, they just hated one another. And their entire planet had been destroyed. And everybody on the, on the, on, on, on the uh, Enterprise couldn't understand what the problem was, and Frank Gorshin goes, don't you see? I'm black on the left side, and he's black on the right side. Okay, and they beamed down to the planet, and the whole planet was destroyed just from the racial strife, just because they were mirror images of one another. Yeah, the episode was Let That Be Your Last Battlefield in That's season right. three. Be brilliant episode and the moment that you mentioned when because um, uh, Frank Gorshin was playing a planetary official uh, yes. from their world Sharon was the planet and uh, so uh, you know he was afforded full diplomatic courtesies and uh, during a dinner with Kirk and Spock that was when he explained uh, exactly what the difference and I remember when he said that you know oh well, all my people are you know black on the right side and Kirk and Spock are looking at each other like yeah you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah right I exactly mean... <laughs> but but you know when uh, you know th that was that was you know if you think about it, that was actually pretty early to make those kinds of observations on network television okay and as as a kid watching it 
I was that that really struck me because I'm like, oh, I didn't notice. Okay, the 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 difference, but there was. Yeah, all you see so, is that they're half white and half black. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And and so some some of these differences, sometimes you see them and sometimes you don't, and sometimes they have to be pointed out. So that 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 to me was sort of a watershed moment when they, when they did that, along with. Kirk and Uhura kissing, mm-hmm. okay, which, you know, in 1967 or 68, that was like, you have got to be kidding me stuff. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of Southern stations did not even run that episode. Did not, did not run that episode. That. That's right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and thankfully, the, the popular culture, maybe not the world, but popular culture has certainly changed. And those things that were groundbreaking at that time are a matter of fact these days. So in that respect, there's been advancement. On the social side, maybe not as much as, well, not maybe, not as much as we would like. And, and that, that's just the unfortunate circumstance behind that. Mm-hmm. No, I hear you. All right. Um, okay. Uh, so... Keep that in mind, because after we go through the first round, I'm going to come back. And actually, I I might as well let you guys know. And you sort of addressed at least part of it. But I'm curious as, uh, you know, in addition to simply, well, no, no. Because if I put this out there, uh, Roberto certainly will answer it in one breath. And we want to come back around. Julian, um, what is, well, what's one of your or your favorite uh, example of uh, social justice in the genres. I I've been I've been trying to figure one out. I think if you would have asked me this question a couple months ago, it might have been easier. Mm-hmm. But after recent events, uh, in comics, I don't think there's much. Um, I think there's attempts. Mm-hmm. I think the closest I think you might have is like modern artificial intelligence uh, struggle. So Blade Runner, Westworld, which basically uh, subversively talks about the issues of slavery and a, and a slave class versus the majority and how that reacts within capitalism and how our system always has to have some type of slave base for it to operate mm-hmm. you know because Roy Batty and his group just wanted they just wanted more life they weren't even asking for a lot uh yeah. 20 2049 uh he was he was a, a replicant but he had to hunt replicants and he was treated way differently and there was this burgeoning group of I don't want to spoil the movie but it goes into that and Westworld gets basically to the brass tacks of it all Along with being a little bit simpler and less subtle, but and this and this season specifically deals with like data and capital and the rich versus everyone else and a slave class because that's that's all the the androids are. So I I think right now as I talk to you in this episode that might those might be it. Mm-hmm. Why has uh, the rec- why have recent events made it more difficult for you? To pick one, because then I have to think about who actually makes these stories, and mm-hmm. what bothers me is, uh, I love the X Men. Right, it got mm-hmm. me into this. Like, for, to be honest, 
And I don't want to see people posting pictures of Cyclops, militant Cyclops. I don't want to talk about, I don't want to see militant Cyclops when the only people who've ever written the X-Men are white people. Mm. For the most mm-hmm. part. They've never been hated and feared. The closest you get are the Jewish American creators and they're pulling off of their own history. Well, that's different from the basis of what the X-Men was based off of, which was the civil rights struggle of the 60s. And when you think about that, a black person writing the X-Men would be way different. Some of these ideas of passing and the Morlocks would come out way differently handled by black people. Handled by people where you know people are actively trying to kill you. It's no wondering about it. I don't have to put myself in, in, in the shoes of. I don't have to talk to my black friends. I don't have to read certain books. I could just come off the cuff. I could, yo, I could make an art of X-Men real, real quick. That doesn't even, that's not hard. And, and I struggle with that. And, you know, there's certain things where you have other characters. So you, have, you do have, like, Superman. With, but Superman is, and Batman are, they're malleable. They're like Mercury. It depends on the politics of the person working on it. There are times I like Batman, I can agree with him and Superman. And then there's other times it's like, yeah, I don't know what this, I don't like what this is saying. So right now, this Superman don't speak for me. They don't protect me. Uh, that's, that's and, I, and I've also think lately that I've read more longer form shonen manga that I think deals with some of these topics a little bit stronger and blatantly. And it's interesting for a, a homogeneous culture that people kind of just play off like it's mindless. And it's like, no, they got some real serious politics going on in these these comics. It's about ninjas or kids in a superhero school or or, or pirates that really deal with some serious subjects. It just happened that kids can read it and understand it. So, yeah, that's what I've been struggling with in terms of comics and mm. and things right now. Mm-hmm. That's pretty deep. Thank you for that. All right, Roberto. I have three. I, have, <laughs> I, I knew you did. <laughs> and I'll make it easy. Uh, as I said before, Superman, because it's two Jewish kids taking the idea of the Aryan Superman and turning it upside down. I love the simplicity of that, where the Aryan Superman is all about racial superiority and being superior to other and crushing the weak and all that nonsense. And they made a character that is completely opposite of that. Awesome. And the whole concept of Superman is that what makes Superman Superman is the the person. Superman without the person is a homelander in the voice. Superman with the person is a person who is an idealistic and is there is a reporter who's there to make a change in society. And two Jewish boys did that when fascism was basically rising in the 1930s. And that's a big deal. And we forget how directly that's baked in the character. Second one, Rod Sterling, Twilight Zone. Uh, It's funny because I've been recommending people to look. There's an episode with uh, Dennis uh, Hopper about uh, It Can Happen Here, I believe is the name of the episode. It's about a guy who basically gets inspired to by Adolf Hitler to create a fascist government in the U.S. And it's the ghost of Hitler inspiring this person. And the funny thing is that 
when you look that episode in Netflix, the last time I checked, it's not listed, which is bizarre as hell. And it's a really fantastic Twilight Zone episode. And the third one, which inspired a lot of people worldwide, and it's funny because the remake completely missed the point of the original, is uh, B, the miniseries created by Kenneth Johnson, which originally he pitched to NBC, I'm dating myself back in the 80s, as a miniseries about the rise of fascism in the U.S. And the persons in NBC said, no, 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 and Kenneth Johnson, can I make it with aliens? And they say, yeah. And I love everything about the original miniseries. The whole idea specifically on how society can turn on a dime from normal society to a fascist society without you blinking. And as Julian said correctly, a lot of the people who behind the scenes and the story departments in all these places basically were Jewish and they were bringing their stories to this. And I think for the present, not only we're talking, having a conversation about black rights, uh, African-American rights and police brutality. It's about the rise of fascism in the U.S. And as a person who basically all my life I've been fascinated by fascism and what uh, makes it attractive for people, seeing all the warning signs that all this medium prepare me for scare me. And I'm very grateful for it because for me, certain things are as clear as day. Yeah, what he's saying is fascist. And what he's saying is basically he's going to basically separate us. That comes straight from the Nazis. And I like the fact that there's certain purity on accepting the fact that there are certain people on this planet that are bad and they really are despicable. And we um, move a little bit away from that. And we basically have moved into this kumbaya mentality that everybody has a valid point of view, which is pure nonsense. There's some people out there are truly evil and we have to accept that so that's my point of view mm, all right well who decides though uh who is evil and Nazis are evil how about that if you put people in concentration camps and kill them you're probably evil uh <laughs> yeah and I'll, I'll admit i'm playing the devil's advocate a little bit but part of the reason that i'm doing it is because one of the things that has really bothered me of late is uh, even some of the more left-leaning people that I know uh, are extremely frustrated to the point where um, they're ready for civil war to break out. I mean, they're like, hey, you know, let's these people are acting like the enemies of the United States. Let's start treating them like they're the enemies of the United States. And uh, any time somebody is willing, ready and willing to embrace uh, war, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think that's a negative. Now, don't I, I absolutely understand, and I would say unequivocally, you know, across the board, yeah, fascists are bad. But I'm just saying, who makes that decision? You know, because, I mean, I, I'm reminded of uh, Star Wars, uh, the uh, Revenge of the Sith, where Anakin says, from my point of view, the Jedi are evil. Now, you know, he was a poor, misguided, misled soul no, at that point. No, no, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. And this is the problem. See, when you when you get the fuller story and you see the mistakes of it, this is a whole different topic. But once you watch that Clone Wars, at yeah. that point in time, what the Jedi was doing was bad. It was. But, but I would get counter what Roberto's saying. You're worried about fascism. And for black people. Oh, yeah. 
for black people, America has always been bad. Agreed. Oh so, my god. Like, yeah. I don't know if I have like like why do I have to worry about Hitler? Like, bruh, like y'all the ones drinking me up. Actually, like, here's the thing I, I Why I do like I have to worry about people. things, but I still gotta fight, right? We still gotta no, kinda believe in the BS, right? Like all I these agree. things talk about all these other people, it's like, yo, when you're saying that, America was still locking up Japanese Americans in the West Coast. Yes, they were. That's true. And not only that, yeah. don't forget well, what we well, did with Black Wall Street specifically. Uh, uh, yeah. Sorry. That, no, that that is the thing. All right, wait a minute. I, I just want to um I want to get this in. Well, actually, shoot. Okay. A couple of things that I this is housekeeping. So you're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM, Radio Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I am joined today by Roberto Ortiz, Julian Lytle, and Warren Bernard. We're talking about social justice in the various genres. Now, the one that I had wanted to talk about was Babylon 5. And wow. um, Babylon 5, you know, good that, choice. That, thank you. Uh, but from a couple of different good angles. Show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but from a couple of different angles, that one hit a lot of social justice related issues for me i mean it started out uh with the idea of uh, alien cultures and aliens versus humans and because the 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 initial fight against the shadows of course here are the shadows they are probably one of the most evil things that i've ever seen but uh you had uh, it, well, it, it started with the Minbari and the humans, right. and then how the Minbari determined that there were Minbari souls that were being reborn in humans, you know, and so they were forced to, I, although the way that whole war got started, it was all a, a big misunderstanding, you know, that led to a human fleet attacking the Minbaris, and, uh, you know, Dukat, their, uh, their, their leader, was killed. And uh, it drove the Minbaris into a blood fury, and they were prepared to destroy all humanity, and they very nearly did. But then, you know, when they had this uh, epiphany with uh, learning about the Minbari souls being reborn in humans, they suddenly stopped the war. So, so there was that whole, all right, alien versus human. But then you had the whole business of now aliens and humans have to band together to fight this this evil, this ancient evil. And then they go you one better because I'm thinking that Earth are the good guys and come to find out, oh, the shadows have infiltrated, well, not even infiltrated. The Earth was collaborating with the shadows. <laughs> and so after you kind of got rid of the shadows, then there was the whole fight against President Clark, you know, who had assassinated President Santiago and then just for good measure let's throw in the psychor you know we've got our own you know totalitarian fascist organization and then you've got the whole new deal of okay we're talking about telepaths versus normal humans you know i mean so that one covered a whole bunch of different areas but uh yeah so um with a very little budget <laughs> uh, yeah, tell me about it but that musical cue means that it's time for us to take a break of course Fantastic Forum comes to you via WERA. We are Arlington. We are your community radio station. And uh, we got to keep the lights on, so that means that we have to acknowledge our underwriters and our sponsors. We're also going to take the time to 
promote some of the other wonderful WERA shows that are coming up later today. But stick around, because we are nowhere near done with this special coronavirus edition of Fantastic Four. So we'll be right back. And we're back here on Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM, Radio Arlington. I'm Ulysses Z. Campbell. I'm joined today by Roberto Ortiz, Julian Lytle, and Warren Bernard. And we are talking about social justice. And we're talking about social justice in these genres that we love. Comic books, science fiction, fantasy, horror. So... Um, Warren, we're going to pivot back around to you. And what I had wanted to ask was, because uh, you, you mentioned Star Trek as being one of your favorite examples of social justice in the genre. And, 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 and very early. Okay, oh, exactly. so it was, there was the Twilight Zone, some of the Outer Limits mm-hmm. in the 60s, and Star Trek. And those were the, the three shows that really undertook any semblance of social justice on television at that time. Oh, indeed. So, but what I want to ask... they could get away with it. Uh, yeah, and that's the wonderful thing about science fiction, the beauty of it, because you can tell, it's just like you alluded to V and how Kenneth Johnson wanted to tell a story about fascists, rise of fascism, and NBC was having none of it, and he said, well, okay, how about we do aliens? And they're like, yeah, go for it. <laughs> you know? And, you know, I know for sure that that's how Roddenberry got a lot of very sensitive material past the censors, because... If you couch some of this stuff in uh, terms they don't necessarily recognize, uh, you can create something that the, the fans of the show will. But here's where I'm going with all of this, because you, you sort of referenced, Warren, uh, mm-hmm. that seeing all of this, particularly when you did, had an impact on you. And that's what I wanted to ask about. What sort of impact did Star Trek and Twilight Zone and Outer Limits what, what, what sort of impact did it have on the young Warren Bernard and uh, how you decided to comport yourself going forward? Well, you know, uh, I'm both, both fortunately and unfortunately, as I have found out, um, program, uh, programmed mentally for empathy. And so when I saw these, these episodes way back then, I, I, I felt for... Um, those people that were being represented, like the uh, the poor guy in the Star Trek episode I was just talking about, who was being pursued by Frank Gorshin, okay, to destroy everybody. And also my, my background um, being Jewish and having had incidents when I was a young kid of being, uh, of anti-Semitism. Um, I'm sorry. Thank you. Uh, uh, and into college, by the way. Uh, that it, it, it kind of brings home that, wait a minute, that's really about me. Okay. Mm. So, so there's a certain amount of it that, that it gave me a certain bit of identity. Now, that's not every one of those shows at every time, but enough of them that understanding other people's issues is very easy for me and Yuli, you and I have talked about these topics many, many times. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in in watching those as a kid, and then having had happened the incidents that happened when I was a kid, um, gave this reinforcement of that I too was an underdog to a certain degree, not as much as 
um, other groups for sure. I would never proffer to say anything like that, but enough that I could easily relate. So that that, that that's what it did for me. Okay. All right. Um, Julian, what about you? And and I know you know you because that was a very thoughtful and thought provoking reply that you had the last time around. But I'm curious if um, if some of the stuff that you have read uh, has had an impact on you, and if so, I'm sure it has, but it, what sort of impact has it had? How has it manifested itself in terms of the way that you live your life? Hmm. I, see, the thing of it is, I don't know if, let's say, things that's focused within, like, geek culture or, or, or sci-fi had that much effect, even though it's some of the stuff I watch is the stuff I find interesting. I, and part of me is like, this is what we could be. Like Star Trek is always like Star Trek over Star Wars because Star Trek is based on like real ideas. And like, this is what we can be when we get our stuff together versus like, I have to save the princess. Like I couldn't really, like, I didn't get into it super as a kid. I was already watching Next Generation. Like, I was like, yo, we in space. Captain Picard is my guy. You know, um, it's more or less like dramas and stuff. But I think um, I think really exploring uh, Jack Kirby's fourth world, like, in my 30s, uh, help, helps me. I don't know if it helps me, but I do think about to what Jack Kirby was trying to tell in that with that story and how some people missed the point of some of what those characters are supposed to represent and how some people are really good at it in terms of what those characters are supposed to represent uh, in terms of like dark side and you know his connection to like Jack Kirby going to World War II and dealing with fascism uh, fighting in the yeah. war uh, what, what dark side truly is beyond just like Oh, he's this alien dude. Like, nah, he's a god of evil. Like, it's really serious. You have to think about it at that level. Or, like, what Orion works within, like, a, a Judeo-Christian idea. And then, like, sci-fi. And then, like, all that type of stuff. And then it, I could tie back to, like, talking to Tom King about when he was getting ready to write Mr. Miracle. Like, the way I see Dark Side is not, let's say, the way most people see Dark Side. I was like, nah, like waking up thinking about killing yourself is like dark side like all these type of things happening seeing yes. people die yeah. is is dark side like your 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 rent getting taken out or something like some you like from the small stuff to the big stuff and it it's like when you really read the work a lot and you see what he was doing and like dark side don't punch nobody but orion and and like he's not he's not that type of character. So I think those characters in that story about like Sky Free, Big Barda, Light Ray, Orion overcoming this darkness and and High Father just trying to guide them along with like the forever people and their journeys with people and even Jimmy Olsen and all that silliness with 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 Don Rickles and all that type of stuff too. Like it all it all works in some greater greater thing once you get to like the Hunger Dogs, which is something that people I think didn't really like when it came out, but is really, really precedent if you read it now. Like, it's really precedent. People need to read, find that book and read that a lot more and how it uses the work to talk about 80s America, like 70s and 80s America. Like, there's a, 
Apocalypse has a place called the Armageddon in it, and then like, and that's where all the downtrodden of Apocalypse live, and that's how he he's able to keep his mind control over people. And then think about like the projects. Think about all the things we deal with in America, the favelas in in Brazil, or all this type of stuff, or the the shack the shacks in the terrible places of the Palestinians in Gaza. All this stuff is is it all it all connects and it all hits, and he made that mad long ago, 30, 40 years ago. Still works. Mm, yeah. He was Jack the reason why they call him the king. <laughs> he was visionary. <laughs> he absolutely was. Okay, uh, so Roberto, we're back around to you. You heard what I asked the other fellas. What's your response? It's more personal. Um, Christopher Reeve Superman inspired me a lot on the person I was. I When I was a kid, I used to get... I was a nerd in Puerto Rico. Come on. So I had a great time in the Caribbean being a nerd. So, uh, um, Superman helped me a lot defining what I believe in. Um, I would say specifically Twilight Zone and Star Trek shaped my, my beliefs and morals. And there's a movie that's Japanese that for some bizarre reason in the U.S. is not as popular. It's, uh, it's by Hayao Miyazaki. And it's Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind. And that would, I would say that my life, I divided in two chapters, before I saw that movie and after I saw that movie. And if you haven't seen it, look it up. It's amazing. And it's about idealism and pacifism. And the whole concept of the movie, if you guys haven't seen it, look it up. It's about this character who is a hardcore pacifist and is trying to prevent these two kingdoms to fight and how far would this hardcore pacifist would be willing to go to prevent to keep people from dying and that's the amazing thing that Hayao Miyazaki did in the movie he made a fantastic action movie with amazing world building but the moral core of the movie is incredible and at the end of the movie it it made me understand that a lot about myself and how I should be seeing the world that you have a responsibility to the other. Um, going back to the Bible, it's the answer of am I my brother's keeper? And there's some people who answer one way and some people who answer the other way. And for people like me, after seeing that movie, it's like, yeah, I'm my brother's keeper. You're supposed to be your brother's keeper for crying out loud. Do something. And um, really, that's I would say, I love that movie so much, I have a framed poster of the movie in my study right now. And it's it's not my touchstone when I wonder how I'm supposed to do and react. That and a framed picture of Superman <laughs> that I used to have in my bedroom. <laughs> so yeah, th- those two characters are the ones that basically uh, define me and change my life. Okay, all right. Well, for me, uh, it's it's always been about good guys and bad guys, and uh, one of the things that. Uh, kind of struck me, and I had mentioned Babylon 5 earlier, one of the things kind of struck me was when you found out that Earth had been allied with the shadows, because th- there was a real pivotal episode in uh, season two, because the um, the uh, Centauri Republic had been, they had sort of fallen on hard times, they were a great and powerful planet uh, you know, that had kind of lost its way and like i said they'd fallen on hard times and the narn regime uh you know who were sort of their uh, age-old enemies uh had risen to become powerful 
and the shadows uh, clan the Narn, the Narn were also slaves at one point to the centaur. Yes, that's right. And they had um, overcome the slavery uh, and overthrown uh, the the centauri, basically, and uh, and then had the centauri to heal. So um, the shadows, through an intermediary, uh, come to Londo Molari, who is uh, the centauri ambassador on Babylon Five. And they ask him a very simple question, what do you want? You know, And he's angry and he says, I want the Centauri restored to their power in the universe. And he goes on with some other stuff. And uh, you know, through the successive episodes uh, leading up through the next two seasons, uh, the Centauri are brought back to this position of power. The Narn are actually toppled and in a very brutal way. I mean, the Centauri use these mass drivers uh, to hurl asteroids down at their planet. I mean, it's just absolutely apocalyptic. Um, anyway. And Malari didn't know they were going to do that. He, he no. was regretful of the weapons of mass destruction. Yes, he was. Yeah. Ultimately, when he saw that, he, he did have some regret. Now, here's the thing. that At the beginning of this thing, because you could see the way things were going, and um, when uh, uh, Captain Sheridan on Babylon 5, he had his uh, Star Fury pilots training uh, to fight the Centauri. And a representative, I'll never forget this episode, a representative from Earth came and was like, oh, wait, I understand you're using you know, Centauri specs uh, in your training uh, episode, training uh, exercises, you got to stop that immediately because we're going to be siding with the Centauri. And I was like, "Oh crap!" And then, especially when you saw that Earth actually was collaborating with the Shadows, I was like, "Wait, we're the bad guys?" I was like, "Oh crap!" And uh, you know, I, I, a little earlier in the conversation, uh, I think Roberto mentioned, you know, some of the well, hey, there's all sorts of dark periods for the United States. I mean, in fact, so much so, it it, it shocks me that African Americans can be as patriotic as disproportionately patriotic as as we are for a culture that largely has no use for us except as cannon fodder or uh, slave labor. But anyway, I digress. So. Um, but the idea that Earth was on the wrong side was like, oh, man, that was just so disappointing. But it, it created some introspection for me. And a lot of these stories have created uh, a degree of introspection for me uh, as I have examined uh, I, I, my role in I mean, I, I was challenged just the other day, in fact, uh, because I had to uh, examine my role in sustaining the patriarchy, you know, I mean, I'm, Hey, I love being a man. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's even though I'm a, I'm an African American man. I mean, it's like, wow. Okay. Being a man, there are certain advantages to that in this culture. And, uh, you know, but again, these are things that if you don't think about them, if you don't reflect upon them and consider them, uh, then they, they become meaningless. So that actually leads me to the next question that I had kind of wanted to pose to everybody. And uh, Warren, we'll start with you. Um, it does does use of these platforms, uh, comics and television and movies and literature, you know, do, do, does this actually inspire real change in the real world? What do you think? Um, I think on on a personal level it does, but I don't know that at the political power level 
that that it's been at all effective. So, taking my own example, um, I was educated quite a bit, re, you know, watching and you know, next generation, as uh, as Julian was saying. Um, but the problem is, is that the power structures here are a matter of getting people voted into office that think the way you want them to think, and that's that's where the translation. Is. Mm. So, as much as I would like to say that now that that has affected real power, I don't I don't know that's gonna, that it, that it's been that much. Has it gone ahead and maybe? either A, awakened people, or B, allowed people who before didn't have a voice by which to share their experiences. Those levels, I, I think it's been very, very effective. Okay. Uh, now, of course, I'm saying that from the perspective of, of SPX. I know the superhero world, and as you know, I don't read a lot of superhero stuff anymore for a whole bunch of reasons, Has is a little less progressive, or I should say a lot less progressive than the environment that we have in SPX, where basically comics itself is an outlet for a wide range of, of political speech. Mm. Now, oh. now, whether all of that converts into an actual change in the power structure, that's a different issue. And, and that, 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 that's where I don't think it's been effective. Okay. Now, now l let me ask you something, because I deliberately left out uh, you being executive director of SPX from your introduction. <laughs> <laughs> and now you've gone and thrown this in, and I'm like, oh, wait. Okay. So, um, I mean, are you, are you willing? Because, I, I mean, I was totally going to keep that out. But if you are willing to at least have that hat on the table. I mean, I guess you can't really separate yourself because that's a part of who you are. But I didn't want you to feel as if you had to represent that role for the purposes of this conversation. No, 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 but, but and yet, I, but you put me in a trick bag now by having mentioned it. <laughs> so. no, 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 but 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 remember, um, I for many years I was an observer and not a participant. Okay. So I, you know, well before I came into my exalted position, I was going to SPX, and you could see these things. That's where I met Keith Knight. Okay, back around 1999 or 2000, mm. and I looked at his stuff, and it's like, whoa, okay, here's here's a voice I've never heard before, and it's a really funny one, and a really brilliantly political one. Mm. So. And, and, and I have no problems, uh, you know, answering any questions about uh, SPX itself, but what I just talked about was my experience reading what is at SPX and, and, and then formulating that as part of the answer to your question. Okay. All right. Well, I, I appreciate the distinction there. Thank you. Um, okay. You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by, uh, who in the heck am I joined today by? Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> I'm joined today by Roberto Ortiz, Julian Lytle, and Warren Bernard. We are talking about social justice in the various genres. So, uh, Julian, we've come back around to you. And um, what's, uh, what's your response? 
Oh, okay. Well, the platforms of of so I guess we gotta get to a point like, well, is media right? So like, is media effective at changing the minds of people? Yes. Are certain platforms very very good at this? Like, I can't sit here and say, oh, TV can't change the minds of people because it's been proven. It's kind of made to do such. The same with radio and its time. And we have the internet and the different social media platforms now. Uh, now the stuff that's on it, I don't know. And also, I, I also don't want to leave out, we're talking about comics a lot of this time. And I didn't say, like, actually how important comic strips and political cartoons are. Because I think they've been a lot more effective historically about changing people's minds and making people look at things differently because of the use of comedy and satire. That's something I think comic books, especially that in the mainstream of superhero comic books, lacks a lot of the time because of the changing parameters of the companies that own them. But like right now, uh, in terms of if you talk about big geeky stuff, like nah, like like the Marvel movies ain't really about nothing. Um, I think people try to implant stuff on it, but when you look at it critically, they ain't about things. The DC movies, it literally depends. It depends on the authorial intent. Uh, TV shows, sometimes things, sometimes the things that are, are the most uh, deep are things that don't last and are not celebrated and not watched. And the things that are the most celebrated and watched uh, kind of brings in uh, a lot of bad ideas that kept keep things as they are. So I, I, I don't know. We have a lot of way to go. And, and the Internet and social media and mobile devices in our, in our pockets all the time and making and the democratization of creating content is changing things on a minute by minute, day by day uh, scale. Like some of these things that we're seeing happening is literally because someone can record a, a high definition video on their phone and then put it online and then everyone can see it. And you can't get rid of it. It's there forever. So it's, it's half and half. It's 50 50. It's not good or bad. Like the platform is good or bad. It's just how people use it. Okay. All right. Uh, Roberto, what about you? I'd say that it depends on who's telling the story and with the intentions. For example, uh, look at recently the uh, miniseries in HBO of Watchmen on how. <laughs> It's amazing how many, how relevant the show was for 2020 in a whole bunch of aspects, from race relations to the relationship between the police and us, the ideal of basically a character being isolated for a long time. It's amazing how prescient that show in terms of 2020 that I imagine people in the future will be stunned to know that the show was made before the events of 2020, not after. Um, I feel that the mediums have a lot to offer when they don't pontificate. And that's that's very difficult thing to do. You have to tell a story. You have to make it in a way that it can touch the, the empathy centers of a person without feeling that they're being pontificated onto it. It's very hard. And do it in a way that tells you a truth. And I feel that a lot of the media I grew up in, again, define a lot of my moral compass. Star Trek did, Picard did, and specifically how I see a lot of stuff. Um, Superman did, definitely. Um, so I feel 
that the media and the content is important. That's why I hate that cynicism, cynic version of the present where a lot of people say, oh, it's not important. You just, it's it's disposable content. And it's like, no, it's not. You're talking to a human being and you're, in the case of some kids, you're actually forming their belief system. You have to be very careful. And I'll give you an ex a recent example of a show that changed minds and it's been very important. And people, it's flown under the radar if you're under 30, Steven Universe. It changed a lot of minds in terms of how kids see the LGBT community in a big way, huge way. And it's made it more, it put it, what I feel that the role the media should be doing is planting seeds of ideas in people's mind. And you have a responsibility that the seed you're planting on a person's head is can lead to something else. Not necessarily change the mind of a person by, you know, screaming and then saying, oh, this is wrong. Making them think for a second. And that's why I love, for example, about what Watchmen did, how they tied in the origin of Superman with the Tulsa massacre. That was like freaking brilliant. And I'm still thinking about it in terms of how, um, how impactful that was and how it showed me something I never knew in the detail that I know now. So yeah, I think that the medium is important because human beings have this need to tell stories. So the medium has a responsibility of how they tell the story and what is the point of the story. At least that's how I see it. Okay. All right. And and that's a fair answer. I appreciate that. Oh my goodness. Um, you know, we are actually out of time <laughs> and I, I hate it when this happens because uh, especially with as media discussion as this and uh, everybody is watching the events as they unfold on a daily basis and the protests uh, over police brutality and uh, social justice that we've seen who knows how this thing is going to end? I, I certainly don't, um, you know, and, and none of us have any answers. But, you know, all of us have some very thoughtful opinions, uh, particularly in terms of uh, what is important. And uh, there was something, Warren, uh, that you mentioned, uh, Justin, yes. so being programmed for empathy. And one of the things that I worry about as I look at the world and some of the things that go on is that apparently there's some people that aren't and i can't Lots. imagine yeah yeah and i they're can't call sociopaths <laughs> yeah right yeah <laughs> yeah well and you wonder what role actually what role some of this stuff plays in creating these sociopathic personalities because i think that uh, the the media can be used uh, as effectively for evil purposes as it can be for good. It's just a question of who's the one holding the camera, who's the one writing the story, uh, who's the one editing it, and uh, and how they put it together. You know? Well, but, fact, but, but also the other thing is, is that you now have a world in which you can build yourself a self-reinforcing bubble of whatever the politics is or whatever view of the world you want to take. And so you can go, like, for instance, have you ever seen the uh, political cartoons of Ben Garrison? I have. Okay, and you take a look at, at that, and you're, you know, you're, your head spins, but there are a whole bunch of people that believe all of that stuff. 
And so yeah. that, 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 is, that is one of the bad things about what's happened today is that you, you can actually build a wall against creating empathy by only putting up in front of you what you want to see and what's going to reinforce what a previous belief was. Yeah, and you're right. To a much greater degree today, uh, we have people who exist entirely in these self-reinforced bubbles. Yes. And they don't engage in any introspection. Um, it's all about reinforcing these previously held beliefs and tamping down any empathy. And, uh, you know, you just, you wonder. I mean, because I, I, part of the reason that there are some people out there who are so... Uh, ready and willing to fight it well I, th I think that's part of it and um, I, it's 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 all going to be very interesting to see how it unfolds certainly but hey thanks to my panelists and thanks to you for tuning in of course Fantastic Forum is also a television show if you happen to be in the Arlington Virginia area you can check us out tonight at 8 p.m. on Arlington Independent Media Comcast Channel 69 Verizon Files Channel 38. We're also on on Sunday nights at 8 p.m. And the show re-airs each and every Thursday here on WERA at 3 p.m. And you can visit the website at fantasticforum.tv. We've got episodes of the radio show. We've got episodes of the television show broken out into the different segments. Uh, we've got... Well, we've got all sorts of fun, interesting stuff that you don't even know that you needed. And we're available as a podcast, too, if you visit the Great Geek Refuge. So all sorts of different ways to enjoy Fantastic Four. In the meantime, hey, despite the fact that we've got all this other stuff going on, there's still a pandemic, and it's worse than ever. So stay safe, be careful, do the right thing, try and protect yourself and your family. And don't forget to come back next week. Same bat time, same bat station.